and welcome to another episode of a sideways life podcast where we talk everything work travel and community here's al hello <laughs> how you doing love you having a good day yeah not bad we've got a glass of wine we can't tell we can't tell the listeners that we've got a glass of wine well you just have so here we are <laughs> so warm today i'm struggling with as you probably know if you follow us on instagram we're now in uh, Medellin in Istria and today it's is it 31 but the humidity is killing me mm, yeah it's a bit it's weird because it smells a bit like Thailand out there yeah like humidity of 75% I took the dog out this morning and it was 24 but a humidity of like 80 Ugh. oh it was unpleasant even poor, the dog was like yeah yeah poor peanut's not coping very well either is he no <laughs> no and the stupid idiot just goes and sits in the sun he sits in the sun and comes, then comes walks up to us and goes I'm really freaking hot what's happened what's going on <laughs> Idiot dog. Anyway. Anyway. So who are you talking to uh, today, Al? So we've got an interview with a guy called Andrew Bosomworth. He's from Leeds. Um, and uh, you'll probably be able to tell from the accent if you're from the UK, because uh, he has got quite a strong Leeds accent. I used to live in Leeds, which is it's, uh, why I quite like it. Quite listening. It, it takes me back to when I was in my like, 18, 19, 20. God, that was about 1844. <laughs> <laughs> 80 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes me back to the times when I was at university in, in, uh, in Leeds. So, but... Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole point, the whole point of having Android is not so we can reminisce about the Royal Oak in Headingley. Um, it is to talk about his amazing home on wheels. Now he calls it a camper van, but actually it is not. It is pretty bloody far from a camper van. Um, I mean, he'll tell you. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but basically, you, you imagine what a camper van looks like, and this is almost the exact opposite. It is cool. Anyway, with it being an audio medium, then you're not going to be able to see what it looks like. But, ah, you can by going to his um, Instagram, which is the, now let me get this right, the Unpopular Views. That's, that is plural. The Unpopular Views. So go to Instagram, same on TikTok. Um, if He's you use, flying on TikTok, by the way. I don't understand TikTok. It's like TikTok fame. Is he? Is there, a, is there like a, are they called TikTokers? If they're not, there should be. Or just talkers. Talkers. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a talker. Oh, God. That, you see, I, that makes me feel sick because I just don't understand it. I'm, I'm like 25 <laughs> years too old to, to understand that. It's like Twitch as well. What the hell is Twitch? I, I Honestly, I don't know. No. I have no idea. I've heard that word twice and didn't know what people were talking about. I think something to do with gaming and... Anyway, I think we'd... Let's just move on. So you're going to hear about um, his travels around Europe. He travels with his dog, um, as we do, as you probably know. Um, so you're going to hear about him crossing borders with his dog. You're going to hear about um, a little bit about how he built the van. It's not too technical. It's not too nerdy. Um, but uh, some really, really nice, uh, really, really good stories in there. And he also he tells you the thinking behind choosing a van, etc., etc. Um, so, so is it quite a good how-to episode then as well, if anyone's interested in making their own... Mobile home. That's a great way of putting it. Can we just go back and so I can say that? Say this is a great how-to episode. Sure. So, listeners, this is a great how-to episode on how how you can travel Europe in a luxury camper van that you build yourself. If you're as clever as Andrew, if you're like the rest of us, you probably... Just buy one. Just buy one. Yeah. Yeah, just buy one. Be fine. Or hire Andrew, he'll build one for you. Well, I'm not sure he would. I don't know if he does that. I don't even know where he is. Anyway, should we crack on and, uh, and listen to Andrew? Yes. 
So we're here with um, a guy called Andrew Buzzenworth, and I think this is one of the greatest stories so far. So he just sat there one day and decided, I know, I'm just going to take an, a Sprinter van, I'm going to board it out, make it into a tiny little home, and then drive around the world in it. Now, I'm sure we've all thought of that at the time, but Andrew's actually done it. So what we're going to do today is learn a bit more about uh, what his story is, what his background is, um, and how you actually go about turning a van into a home. So welcome, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Um, genuinely, I'm fascinated by this story. My little brother, I say little, he's 41. My little brother has, has wanted to do this for, for all his life, and uh, so he's going to absolutely love listening to this. So tell us, what's the story? How did you get, how did you end up in a van in Hungary? The story starts uh, probably when I was about 20, um, and I left my job and moved over to Africa for a little bit, and Australia, went travelling into these countries um, and in Australia I lived in a van for 18 months. It was a very small van, uh, much smaller than the one that I've got now. It was a Toyota Hyas, um, I believe. I think it was 22 years old when we bought it, uh, so pretty old. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I lived in that for 18 months. Um, and then after that, moved over to Malaysia um, for a couple of years, did uh, scuba diving instructor in Malaysia, uh, traveling around Asia quite a lot, enjoyed that. Um, and then I headed back to uh, Europe, did some uh, ski instructing and um, resort managing in Austria and really enjoyed that. Did some uh, expedition teaching around uh, South America and uh, Africa. And then after all that, decided that it's probably time to settle down and live a bit more of a normal life, a normal, what I, what I kind of had been led to believe was normal. And I managed to do that for about 18 months, uh, which is about how long I've managed to do everything else for. Uh, and I just, I just decided that I didn't think, you know, it was for me. And um, it was what everybody else thought was for me. Uh, but not necessarily what I thought was for me. So I decided to go and try buy a van and uh, live, in, live in that. So um, I spent about two, three months researching vans and researching options and what I wanted and what I didn't want, etc. Spending a lot of time going up and down the country trying to find a van that was suitable. And... Um, after all that, I managed to find one that was about 20 minutes away from where I lived. Uh, it seemed it seemed a bit too good to be true, to be honest. I decided to just bite the bullet. Uh, mechanics really isn't my strong point, so that was probably the most daunting part of most of the most of the whole thing. So bought the van and then spent the next uh, six eight months ish doing it up alongside working my normal job. Um, uh, we were we were incredibly busy um, at work, which meant that I didn't really get much time to do it. Uh, I was trying to get as much done in the summer as possible because obviously working a van, I was working outside on my drive. Um, I didn't really fancy doing it in the, in the depths of winter and managed to get it done, well, done-ish for December time, uh, December last year, December 2020 and then headed off. So I have a question. You spent, did you say 18 months in a van in um, Australia? Yes, yeah, it was a, a, bit, a, a little bit less than 18 months, probably about 16, 15, 16, yeah, but yeah. Is Australia not pretty hot? 
Can you see where I might be going with this? Living in <laughs> yes, a van. Absolutely. <laughs> How did you cope? Yeah, it was. It was really hot. And we ended up being in the hotter places more often than not as well. Um, but I don't know. We just seemed to manage. Uh, there was there was one time, um, so it was actually a three-birth van, um, even though it's about the same size as a, I mean, smaller anyway than a transport, uh, than a, yeah, than a Volkswagen transporter. Um, three births, so in theory we could have three people in it. So one night we tried it, um, and my friend's br- my friend's brother had come out to meet us in Australia and spend uh, four weeks travelling around with us. He was with us, and we tried to we tried to sleep in a van one night. It was on the north east coast, and it was completely unbearable. And I ended up sleeping outside on the grass next to where we next to where we were actually supposed to be sleeping because I I was on the that buckled first basically i mean yeah yeah it does get hot it does get very hot but um obviously no duvets etc but yeah, saying it now it sounds bizarre you're absolutely right i can't uh, and i don't really have an answer for it uh, but a lot of people do it <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of camper vans around us it's incredibly popular and the country itself is built for it um there's outdoor showers everywhere public barbecues everywhere um bathrooms toilets everything that you could that you could need really um to be able to to be able to move around in it and i mean i'd say that of this of the 16 months that we had it we probably spent three four nights maybe in a hostel um if it suited us to to be in a to be in a hostel but the majority of the time we just we just slept in there there was some some good places and some bad places as well i've got to admit um, you know, sleeping on the beach, but next to the beach in the van, um, early beach or uh, somewhere like that in Australia was beautiful. And then other times she'd be sleeping in that multi-story car park because she couldn't find anywhere else to go. Um, maybe more if it if it was in a city. Um, so yeah, there's, there's it's not as it's not always glamour. So going from a 22-year-old van for in it you bought in Australia to this new Sprinter, you did it all yourself. Talk us through sort of if you can break it down for us into the step-by-step. You go and buy a van. In fact, no, before we do that, it was interesting you asked. You said you spent loads of time researching a van. So what should someone be looking for? There's a few things. I think you go back even further back to, to the absolute start of it. And um, I think it's important to decide what's important to you. If you plan on spending time only in hot locations, then your requirements for the van could be quite different to if you plan on spending them in cold places as well. I love skiing, um, and one of the reasons why I wanted to be in the van was so that I could do more of it. So that was important for me that I was going to be spending time in some cold areas, um, which meant for me that the heating had to be good on the van. The insulation had to be good on the van. Whereas if you plan on not spending time in cold places, then that's maybe not a priority to someone. Um, hot water, also another one, very important for me because some of the places where where I go is minus 16, minus 20 sometimes, um, and hot showers after a day of skiing, etc., is important. I think I think another thing to mention is that uh, stereotype around it, um, but. Uh, I mean, I'm as about as far from a hippie as it as it gets, um, in the nicest way possible. Uh, I I shower every day. I have hot water in the van. I um, sleep on a memory foam mattress. I uh, have a 
fridge. I drink beer probably <laughs> every day, if not twice a day. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I certainly don't um, don't conform to to I mean many stereotypes really. But um, yeah, so I think that I think that it was important for me to have to have those things. And I think for anyone looking for a van it's important to decide what it is that you actually want to use the van for, where you want to use it, um, what's important to you. So having a fixed bed in the van was really important. Um, a shower, again, really important for being uh, being in the cold areas and wanting to, wanting to be able to kind of pack up anywhere, stay anywhere and spend time there. A shower for me was really important. Um, I wanted the van to be as off-grid as possible, completely in the middle of nowhere, no electric, no water, no, no anything. Um, and I can be there for essentially however long my water can last for, really. That was really important for me because I like adventure. I like doing different things, Um and that mattered. That mattered a lot to me. Did the 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 fact of being able to have the van, what people would call off grid. Um, so all these things factored together. Uh, cooking, another thing. So an oven was another important thing to me. Um, I wanted space to fit the skis in. I wanted to be able to fit a mountain bike in there. Um, and I didn't want to have them on the outside of the van. Um, again, in Australia we had surfboards on the outside of the van, and uh, you were always conscious of them, you know, being pinched or, or something like that. And I didn't want to have to worry about that. I didn't want to have to think about it. All of those factors pulled together. Um, that was what I wanted. And everyone's different. Everyone's got different different ideas about how it should be done and can be done, etc. But that was my what what I wanted to do and my kind of requirements and so listen here, grab your phone go onto tiktok or instagram and look up the unpopular views because this is not what you'd think of when you hear camper van it's like a mini house inside it's beautiful it's absolutely stunning and you've done a great great job on it i mean I've, i was looking at a post you were talking about where you were making i don't even know what the word was bossman or something and you were doing these like you've made there were 30 quid in the shops but you made your own and you were drilling bolts and all that i mean who does that? That's just incredible. That's amazing. So, I mean, it's such a, such a great story. So definitely, definitely go and check out his TikTok and uh, Instagram because um, there's some great videos on there. I noticed you're putting a roof rack on. Is that a recent thing? The roof rack was always on there. Um, so there's two solar panels on top uh, that, right. um, that the roof rack holds in place. But then I've put just put a roof terrace on top. So the roof terrace is a new thing, yeah. So I want to talk about driving around Europe now. You and I have got something in common. We, My wife and I have travelled, I think we've been to every country in Europe apart from, I think there's six or seven. Uh, so crossing borders pre-2018 was relatively straightforward. You just drove across a border. Most of them, there was no borders whatsoever. However, you've been driving during COVID. So tell me, what's, what's it like crossing a border in a global pandemic when no one wants you to get into their country? <laughs> So, um, this was one of my biggest worries setting off. Uh, well, probably the biggest worry setting off. Um, and I'll just put a little um, context in here. I have some Hungarian family, um, and I have managed to um, get what would essentially be like a Hungarian residency as such. So, I can only speak for 
um, COVID side of crossing borders because I actually have a, an ID card that covers me for Hungary, um, which gives me freedom of movement in Europe. So um, I came, first left in December before it was too bad, um, right at the start of December before anything really um really happened the uk was planning on opening up for christmas so that people could go and see their family that was still being talked about um there was no problem with transport or anything like that um and i came across reasonably quickly to hungary the only place where i got stopped or questioned about anything whatsoever was in the uk and the guy in um folkestone as we boarded the tunnel uh, asked me how much money do I have and how long am I planning on going for? And I replied with about a tenner in cash because that was literally all I had. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how long I'm going for. Uh, to which he just kind of looked at me a little bit funny and just said, right, see you later. Uh, and <laughs> that was it. The next the next thing I knew, well, the next time that I spoke to anyone really was, was in Hungary. Uh, uh, there wasn't a single border crossing. There wasn't a single border check. Um, straight through. Um, so that was that was last year before Brexit. Um, then this year uh, during COVID, so I was in Hungary and my plan was to go skiing over to France, Italy, Austria, the places where I know the Alps, that kind of thing. Um, but it was it, they, those countries were struggling massively with COVID. Um, I don't think any of the French resorts opened all season, really. Um, I don't think any of, I, don't, I think maybe a couple of the Italian ones did, but not many, and maybe only for the locals as well. I don't think they actually accept tourists all season. Uh, Swiss, the Swiss um, did, I think, for a little bit, but um, but not for long. Um, and the Austrians, I don't think, ever accepted tourists. Some resorts did open, but not many, and only for locals as well. Um so skiing in those places that I knew before was 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 going to be now an impossible. So because of that, it changed where I had to go to, um, or where I could go to. So I decided to head down south um, to kind of the Balkan regions, which I believe you're familiar familiar with, Hal. Um, mm-hmm. And I headed down that way, and there was two reasons really. Their COVID restrictions were much. Um, uh, much less strict than anything that I could that I could see in Europe. Um, so the Balkan countries, i.e., Serbia, Kosovo, Macedonia, um, Bulgaria, certainly uh, nowhere near the same level of tourism um, that that you know from the more popular Alp regions, uh, and that meant that those countries had the pandemic a lot more under control than than a lot of the other countries, which meant that their border crossings were a lot easier um, and a lot less strict. And um, that was essentially what made the decision to go to head to these places. So back to the, sorry, the original question of um, border crossings. So I've crossed during peak COVID um, from Hungary to Serbia to Kosovo, to Macedonia, to Bulgaria, Romania, and back to Hungary. And that's been since March this year. Spent 
three months, I think, doing that. Um, and in those three months, I did one PCR test, which was in Macedonia to cross the border to Bulgaria. And the annoying thing was it didn't even get checked. <laughs> I think that's true. And I think <clears throat> you make two very, very good points there. First of all is that um, the traditional place of where you'd go on holiday, summer holiday, winter holiday, would be sort of like... Uh, Spain for summer, it would be the Alps for winter, etc., etc. Whereas once you get into the Balkans, there's some, I mean, there's some incredible, incre- incredible sights. <laughs> like in Skopje, it was the craziest city we've ever been in. There were crazy people, but lovely, but crazy people. Um, but yeah, you just you just go to these these places that are off the map and sound a bit scary. And all, when you get there, our experience has 100% been that everyone is just so lovely. English is very widely spoken. They're just, you know, Bosnia. People were like, what the hell are you doing in Bosnia? Well, I've come to see you. And they were like, oh, well, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Let me buy you a beer and we'll take you to town and all this kind of stuff. So um, if you are listening and you've never, you've never been to any of the, uh, any of the lesser-known Balkan states, um, then definitely check it out. Now, I do want to ask you about Kosovo because we've not been to Kosovo and we heard that if you have a Kosovan stamp in your passport, they don't let you back into Serbia. Is that a load of rubbish? Um, I'm really glad you asked me about Kosovo, actually, because I was going to mention it anyway. Um, of these, of the places I'd say that I've been in Europe, which um, is is quite a lot, uh, Kosovo is number one. Without without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely the number one place that I've been in Europe, and it ticks every single box. The people are incredible. Um, the location is absolutely amazing. Um, the, the, the sights of it, the uh, the the uh, nature, just the fact that it's completely completely untouched um, by tourism. Uh, again, like you said, with Bosnia, I've had exactly the same experience in Kosovo. People just genuinely sh- sh- shocked to see you there. People genuinely thankful as well. People actively thanked me to come in for coming to Kosovo, um, which is something I never had anywhere else. You know, thank you for coming to our country. Um, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Like you say, have a coffee, um, filled up water in a in a uh, car wash car wash place, and the guy invited invited um, me and Frank in for uh, for a for um, a coffee and what have you. And obviously, Frank was just playing with with the other dog that they had. Um, and yeah, we just absolutely loved it. It was it was incredible. Um, regarding stamp wise, uh, tell you a little truth here. Um, I, I've done something that I don't think you're supposed to do, but uh, again, um, you'll probably notice this about me over this podcast and <laughs> potentially on social media and what have you. If you do see me, I generally have the opinion, well, it'll be all right. Um, and and I read that. I read that if you cross from Serbia to Kosovo, you have to go back from Kosovo to Serbia because Serbia doesn't give you an exit stamp on your exit into Kosovo because Serbia hasn't recognised it as another country. So they don't actually recognise you as leaving the country, even though there is a border crossing with Serbian um, exit border and a Kosovo entry border where you get a Kosovan entry stamp, but you haven't got a Serbian exit stamp. That it's just as it just seems to be a stubborn Serbian thing that they do, 
I was told, or I read actually, I, didn't, I wasn't told by anyone, but I read that if you do if you do cross from Serbia to Kosovo, you have to go back from Kosovo to Serbia and then exit Serbia from a border which they actually recognise. Otherwise, you're still classed as being in Serbia. If that's the case, then I'm still in Serbia <laughs> because <laughs> because um, <laughs> because I exited Kosovo through North Macedonia. If Serbia won't let me back in because. I exited through one of their borders that they don't recognise as a border, but the whole of the rest of the UN recognises as a border, <laughs> then as far as I'm concerned, it's Serbia's problem. So, yeah, really, I mean, I could go all day about Kosovo, so I won't, I won't bore you, but definitely check it out. It is it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic for all reasons. I love hearing stuff like this because people have been talking recently about Georgia um, being another phenomenal place. It's a little bit difficult. We find it a bit difficult to drive to because you have to drive through either Russia or get a boat across from Ukraine or drive through Turkey. None of those routes seemed like we want something we want to do. But but you've sold me on Kosovo. Um, I 100% want to go. And the other the other little hack that we heard was that if you go in the year where your passport is expiring then even if you do leave, then you just get a new passport and then there's no cost of stamping it. But from what you say about the digitalization of all this, perhaps that doesn't apply anymore, I don't know. So tell us about Franklin and um, and what it's like traveling through Europe with a dog. He's a, he's a one and a half year old uh, German shorthead pointer, um, mad as a box of frogs, uh, <laughs> brilliant, um, absolutely, just, a, just non-stop energy, um, gets me out every day. Uh, non-stop best friend just just <laughs> just a great guy um and yeah so i did everything that was needed to get him a passport and again this might have slightly changed now with brexit i do think you need to have a blood test now um to get him out i thought it was i thought it might be a little bit difficult some borders and to be honest his passport has never been checked i hand it over every time um and they either just leave it on the side next to my passport or they just hand it straight back to me and don't even open it up. But uh, but I've got all all his relevant paperwork, which is literally just some vaccinations. I just rang the vet up and said, uh, how do we, you know, I explained the situation, said, what do I need? And they went through it all with me. Um, I will say it's expensive to do it in the UK compared to pretty much any other country in the world, but I think that's just the general case with anything to do with dogs in the UK I think is mega expensive compared to compared to anywhere else in the world because we regard our dogs a lot more highly than what some countries do and tra- traveling with him generally has been nothing but nothing but the best experience I mean I tend to stick to the more um out of the way places so you know uh, mountains ski resorts national parks that kind of thing um, but not well actually Coincidentally, every country that I've been to so far, I've been to the capital city as well. Um, and, you know, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, he'll, just, he'll just walk along. He's took a lot of training, don't get me wrong, and he still needs, he still needs a lot of training, but, um, but he'll just hop along. And it's pretty, pretty straightforward, really. We only go into dog-friendly pubs and, you know, eat outside in dog-friendly restaurants, which is, which is pretty straightforward with COVID anyway, because you seem to eat outside everywhere. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to spending a summer with him because I'll be honest, opening the door for him to go out for a wee at like nine o'clock at night when you've got the van nice and warm and it's minus 20 outside and you've got to take him out and there's stray dogs around. So you've re- literally got to walk him. I think also it's a conversation point, isn't it? If you go and sit at an outdoor restaurant and uh, and local sees you on your own with the dog, then you tend to make friends quite quickly, don't you? Yeah, I like to think they're talking to me, but they're not. 
<laughs> I like think they're interested in what I'm doing, but they're really just staring blankly at me while while stroking the dog. And he is absolutely <laughs> the main the main attraction. So yeah, it definitely is. You're right, hundred percent. A conversation a conversation starter, and and he's a ridiculously photogenic dog. Um, I've seen the pictures, <laughs> and he is just. I mean, the expressions on his face. There's one of him. I think is he. Are you both sitting on the edge of a cliff and, he, and you, he's looking at you or something? Or is it on a boat? I can't remember the one particular one that, on Instagram. Yeah, there's a few. He's been he's been kayaking. He's been top of cliffs. He's been all sorts. He, he looks like an old man. He, he's like the Benjamin Button of dogs is, what I, is how I describe him. He looks, he looks <laughs> like a really old man, but he's just over a year old. Um, and yeah, if he, he goes in sulks if you ignore him. And he's, just, he's got attitude, Brilliant. but... He's, uh, yeah, he keeps me entertained, definitely. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Andrew, so much for your time. With the, I've, I've genuinely loved listening to all these stories. I, I'd be honest, I don't think a van life is is for me, seeing as we live in Airbnbs. I think that would be quite a, quite a big change. Um, but I'm pretty sure that some of the people, particularly, again, my brother, hello, Andy, um, would be very interested to, hear, to listen to this and uh, potentially... I mean, would they be able to contact you and ask you questions and that kind of thing? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I get contacted probably daily um mm-hmm. by people asking everything from uh you know where did you get the sliders for the ski rack to how does the plumbing work and um, you know can you can you tell me more about your electrics anything like that um if anyone does want to get in touch then yeah absolutely um and yeah i'll be more than happy to uh, to answer to answer anyone's questions brilliant brilliant so a gentleman a great guest um, and uh, fantastic I say I don't know I don't understand TikTok so I've only looked at you on Instagram my wife's on TikTok uh, but the Instagram stuff is definitely worth checking out so look at Instagram you're looking for the unpopular views and that's plural is that right Andrew yes yeah and it's the same on TikTok and would it be the same on um, YouTube it is yeah brilliant brilliant so go and check out Andrew um, and uh Again, just want to thank you so much for your time and you have sold us on Kosovo. We are, I'm definitely going on our list. So uh, we'll send you a picture when we get there. Brilliant. I hope you enjoy cool. it. We will do. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Well, there you have it. That was Andrew Buzzenworth from The Unpopular Views on Instagram. On the, He's a talker, as we mentioned before, on the old TikTok. <laughs> the TikTok. <laughs> the TikTok. <laughs> and also, if you uh, if you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see him on the... I think it's the same username. I can't remember what he said on the interview. We should, we, we should pretend that we've just listened to it, and now this is our summary, but actually, we did the interview a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Ow, you just like giving away all the secrets. Ruined the magic. Anyway, what what did you like about the interview? I thought it was interesting what he was saying about Kosovo because we have had that on our list for so long. Mm-hmm. I think 2020 was meant to be the year that we were gonna we were gonna bob into Kosovo. Um, didn't happen. Corona had other ideas. She's 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 got something to answer for that girl. She's a bit of a bitch, isn't mm. she? Um, so yeah, it sounds it sounds as amazing as I've heard other people talk about it, but I think particularly somebody who is who is travelling a lot, who is from the north of England, you don't mince your words, you don't sugarcoat it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And the fact that he does, it's just uh, it's gone straight to the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Me too, me too. 
It was really interesting listening to him talking about crossing borders with COVID as well, because um, he did it sort of without COVID because he left in 2019, I think was when he originally left and he went back to the UK. And then he left again in March 2020 and it was slightly different. That was quite the time to leave. Yeah, but uh, but he was saying that actually no one really cared. And that was our experience in about June 2020, was sailing through borders, not even worrying. I think we only got stopped in Slovenia, was it? I don't remember. Yes, we did, but that was only to check that we had our vignette or the old car tax, road tax sticker. Oh, yeah, and to... And to didn't uh, get asked for... Take the mickey out of us for Brexit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've been the same, and even, you know, even more recently. I mean, we had a little bit more of an interrogation as such when we came back into Croatia from Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was more because they couldn't figure out where we'd been because we would... Yeah, it, it was it was just one of those things, but but it was fine. There was nothing, and I think as long as you've got that's probably an example where we actually had to have all of the documents you meant to have. We had mm. our COVID test that was less than forty eight hours old. We had proof of where we were going. We had the address. We had the address of where we'd been, um, and they went through everything, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably the first time. But other than that, yeah, no one seemed to really care. But I guess within the. So, yeah, and then traveling with a dog. It's so lovely to hear somebody else talk about their experiences there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think my favorite bit is when he talks about, um, uh, he's, there's a bit in there where he talks about his dog and he went, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> and you can tell the relationship he's got with his dog is, uh, uh, is, is amazing. And what is interesting, we found the same thing with our dog passport. No one cares. We've handed it over. We've not handed it over. And mm-hmm. just nobody's ever, ever asked us about our dog. The only time anyone cares is when you're getting some kind of transport, whether it's a ferry or a, um, a boat. That's a ferry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a smaller ferry, isn't it? <laughs> you can get a ferry, you can get a boat, you can get a ferry boat. A ship. You can ship. get a ship. Yeah. yeah you can yeah. get a frigate. Maybe a jet ski. <laughs> no? Anyway, but what I was going to say, the only time anyone seems to get is when you're coming back into the UK. We've had the passport checked every time. Um, so there's no <clears throat> there's no getting away around that. You have to make sure they're fully vaccinated with their rabies and have their worming tablet as well. That's the, yeah, you won't get back into the UK without it. But otherwise, no one seems to go. Anyway, so we've witted on for long enough. Um, so I really hope you enjoyed that. I really hope that he's inspired you to go out and buy a Sprinter van and spend the next six months converting it into a mini home with a memory foam mattress and an oven and an indoor shower and a place for your skis. <laughs> if you're not quite there yet, then... Um, well, just just go and buy. A, well, we we drove down in a in a in a, um, a C three, a yes, Citroen C three. So That's, you don't yeah. need that no. camper van. Ooh. Hey, guess what? Al? What you know how you said before that you don't know where Andrew is? Yeah, I know where Andrew. Go on. Andrew's in Pula, around the corner from us. Around the corner from us. I think Pula's what about six kilometers. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So is it Lindsay's story? I was like, what? So he's um he's going around for dinner tomorrow with his girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. It is cool, isn't it? Is it the first guest we're going to meet that we haven't, like, done the interview with them? Like, in real life? So if you're listening, then, well, we're going to see you tomorrow, Andrew. I'll uh, I'll chill a few beers for you. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure your van's great. We've raved on about it, but like I said, it's 31 with 50% humidity. We've got a spare room with air conditioning if you want to just bob in. (laughs) Have a little snooze. Even if it's three o'clock in the morning, you've had enough. You just want to like just open the door and come in and... Yeah. 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 But he he might not want to. He might not want to. He's from Leeds. He can cope with anything. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see. (laughs) Right. We'll leave it there then, will we? Yes. I I bored myself in this one. Sorry. Yeah, you bored me too. (laughs) 
Bye. Bye. Do you remember when I had to pretend a few minutes ago that I didn't know that Andrew was coming, even though I actually texted him last night? Honestly, your acting skills are quite great. I know, I should be a thespian. A thespian. <laughs> <laughs>